Uh, well, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined on uh, this inaugural away trip show uh, with uh, the current Bedford Blues captain and uh, record point scorer and uh, Canada International James Pritchard. A very good morning to you, James. Good morning. It's uh, very good to be here. We've got um, a whole sort of raft of music to listen to that, that you feel is important to you. We've got a few personal take on a few things like films and books and things like that. But most importantly, we're going to just review where you've come from and where you are at the moment in this wonderful life of yours. It started way back when. I'm going to take you all the way back to Australia and all the way back to your league days. Talk to us how that came about and perhaps for people who don't understand it, talk about a little bit about sport in Australia. Um, where I come from, uh, small town parks, it's pretty much the population uh, is around 12,000, 15,000. It, it uh, peaks during like, like harvest and uh, and then drops back down after that's finished, but also like with the mines and stuff like that, uh, when, they're, when they're productive, the population goes up. When it's not so, uh, it drops. So uh, with a population like that and being in the middle of nowhere, we're a good five, five and a half hour drive from Sydney, so uh, there's not a lot around. So you usually grow up uh, doing basically sport. Um, that is pretty much the culture. You you go to school, and then after school, you're out at, out in the backyard or down at the park with your mates playing sport. Um, just depending on what season it is, uh, depends on the sport. It could be uh, during winter you're playing uh, well, like rugby league or rugby, soccer. Um, summer it's cricket or touch rugby. So um, yeah, it's any spare time you've got, you're you're out. You're either like watching sport on TV or you're out in the backyard reliving what you've just watched. When was it that you first started to think, oh, this, this could be something I could, I could follow quite seriously? When I was younger, I wasn't really allowed to play, um, well, rugby league is a big one back in the uh, parks, and uh, I wasn't allowed to play that, so I had to grow up playing, uh, well, football, soccer. So from when I was six through to uh, 12, um, basically that's all I played. I used to, of course, used to play in the backyard with my brother. We used to play league in the backyard, and then after school with my mates, we used to go down to the park and uh, well, before the park, we had a friend who had a back paddock, and he'd uh, basically got weed killer and did out the lines of a uh, rugby league field, and we used to play on the back of there. So um, I grew up sort of playing soccer was the main sport, but then uh, after school and uh, in the backyard, my brother would be league all the time. After the age of 12, there wasn't anything um, for, well, soccer-wise. You had to step up into the men's game. There wasn't anything after under 12s. There wasn't a 14s or 16s. It was straight into the men's. So um, then my parents thought it was uh, okay for me to switch into rugby league because basically all my friends had uh, they'd gone over and started playing, and I was uh, well feeling a bit left out. So I decided to join them. So from there, I played rugby league up until like 18, uh, both at school and uh, and uh, with the local team, the Park Spacemen, as they were called, <laughs> and. Uh, Rugby union didn't really come into it till I was uh, 19. Um, I'd, left, I'd left school. Um, I'd been picked up um, by a talent scout um, for Parramatta, the Parramatta Eels at the time, and I le- basically left home straight away and moved down to Sydney. And I started playing rugby league professionally uh, down there. Uh, I had a season... It was mixed, uh, there's a few injuries and stuff like that, but um, it was pretty much a wake-up call because uh, coming from the country, uh, see, not a lot of young guys get picked up from the country to play uh, down in Sydney. So I 
I went down there pretty much thinking, well, I was the dog's bollocks really. <laughs> and um, that was a pretty much a wake-up belt call because there are a lot of good young players down there. And uh, I got the kick up the bum I needed. And after that first year, um, I got cut because I wasn't up to grade. And then I was sort of left out in the wilderness thinking, what could I do? Um, I had a couple of options uh, with league, uh, pretty much sort of a step back in uh, basically the Metropolitan Cup competition, which is a it's a bit of a step down, but then people do get uh, seen playing that and then they do go back up into the top sort of league. But then also rugby union was uh, put towards me. And uh, for rugby, I'd never really played. I have I had a couple of games at school. My first introduction to rugby was they put me in at hooker. Um, hooker to rugby league is a lot different to rugby union, sure. um, especially in the scrums. You pack down and basically you just touch shoulders and that's it. It's uh, You have a good chat to the opposite, uh, number nine, and away you go. But uh, I got a rude shock when I packed down to a scrum for rugby. <laughs> and let's just say that it was just one scrum and that was it. I never got in there again. <laughs> so that was my first actual introduction to rugby. And then uh, from then on, I was on the wing for a bit. And then uh, when I when I was asked to basically come and like uh, have a few games with Ramwick, and I thought, well, I'll give myself two years, basically learn the rules and see how I go, try and make it to the top grade there. Mm-hmm. I played like in the fifth grade, fourths, third, seconds. I even had a game in first grade um, where I set up a try and uh, I was quite pleased with myself. And that was the last uh, trial game before the start of the season, so here I was going back and uh, they wheel out the uh, teams on a big whiteboard um, on a Tuesday night. So we're all there and I'm looking at first grade and I'm looking down the roster and, okay, I'm not there, that's all right, second grade. And I'm looking down there and, oh, that's strange. (laughs) Third grade then, and I'm just scanning down, radio. (laughs) I've gone to fourth grade and and back down, okay. And there I'm, just uh, bang on the wing in uh, number 11 for fifth grade and that was a bit of a shock. but uh, later on, like you find out that uh, Ramwick is a good club because you have to buy your time there. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, you have to buy your time in the grades. And I think that's what makes the club um, so good. With such a strong foundation in, in league, I mean, you, you talk now about a sort of re-education, but it was, it's such a formative sort of part of your life, wasn't it? You were saying 12 to 18, you were playing nothing but sort of league, that was the only option available to you. Does it still play a part in your rugby today? Oh, definitely. I know when I first got here at Bedford, um, I think I used to give Colin Jackson um, heart attacks because all he used to say was... Uh, no bloody chip kicks, no bloody chip <laughs> kicks. And that's all I used to do. And that's basically from a league sort of background. It's, it's you run the ball. Um, if you kick it, it's basically a grubber or you, like, something like that. Um, you don't just boom it downfield. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a big thing. Like at Ramwick, um, the coach back there basically said to me, he goes, you go out there and you play your natural game. So I'm not going to tell you how to play. He said, you just get the ball and you do what you do best. And... Uh, I think that's pretty good. Um, over the years, it's sort of fallen away a bit. I know uh, the Canadian coach took me aside uh, this year and he said, mate, you're too, uh, you're too generous out there. He said, you're willing to uh, just run, like give the boys other opportunities and that. He says, mate, I want you to be a bit greedy out there. He said, I want you to uh, back yourself and uh, take the defenders on. He says, I know the sort of player you can be. Um, he said, I want you to be doing that. And I think uh, it sort of changed me a bit uh, taking a leadership role. 
where it's it's more I'm trying to look after the team and stuff like that. Be be the old head instead of being um, the young rookie that just doesn't care and uh, do all that. But uh, I know at times I have to be greedy. I see you see some of the best players um, that that come along. Like uh, no disrespect, like to uh, Billy and uh, to Luke Field and uh, even um, young Will, who's gone down to Newport Gwent now with uh, Wales. Like very not in a bad way, very greedy players when it come, like, they got the chance to, like, a sniff at the line they, they went for it um, like, they might have players outside and that but they went for it and that's what makes those uh, sort of good players, mm-hmm. and uh, I just got to get a bit of that greed back, it's going to be hard, um, being a captain and stuff like that but uh, it, it's what basically shaped my game and uh, it's what the coaches see a, see a good part, like, in me Let's have your first piece of music then. Let's uh, introduce this. What, what did you choose, and, and was it difficult coming up with just three? I'm very, I'm very big, like in the music thing. I, I'm big into the old songs and uh, just anything catchy tune that you can sing along. I don't like this sort of music without words. That's not good. Um, I like something that's got a tune and a bit of words to sing along. Um, the first one I've chosen. Um, Basically, I was a fan of this before it became popular over here. Um, before it was on the X Factor and before Glee was out, um, a song by Journey. Um, this is—it's sort of like always been in my head. Coming from Canada, the boys sort of like like that sort of music as well, and it stuck with me for quite a while. And um, in the delivery room, uh, we were—I was sitting there with with my partner Jenny, and uh, it was quite quiet. So I was flipped on the radio, and it was on for quite a while, and then. Um, Basically, just as uh, Lucas was uh, being born, this song came on the radio as well. So not only is it like one of my favourites, but it also a special sort of uh, part of me now because it, it was the actual song that was playing when my son was born. So it's Journey and uh, Don't Stop Believing. A singer in a smoky room A smell of wine and cheap perfume a part in your life. Has it always been a part of, of what you do? Are you someone who needs to have music on? Um, I don't need it, but I like it. It, it helps take my mind off things. Um, there's, like, again, there's certain songs that I have in the gym and that just try, like, they help push me that bit extra. And uh, there's songs that you like to um, like to listen to when you run out on a game. Um, there's songs 
I know uh, for a big part when I was uh, when I was younger, there was a song I used to replay over and over in my head when I uh, kicked at goal, and pretty much it was to uh, basically get my rhythm. I knew as I was singing the song, um, with all my steps, they'd hit a certain part as I sang along. So um, I knew if anything was off, I could uh, easily correct that, and. Um, that basically got a lot of attention, like with all the cameras uh, back in Sydney, like on TV, people would always ask me, what are you saying and stuff like that, and I used to keep that close to my heart. I never I never actually mentioned the song that I sang, so it was just something uh, close to me. But it, it is, like the music I do like listening to, like to chill out and stuff like that, certain songs that help calm me or want to pick myself up and get in a better mood, then I listen to, uh, yeah, different songs and that. Going back, you talked about Randwick, and then subsequent to Randwick... 2001 was a move to Bedford. Can you remember how that came about? Um, pretty much, I I tried to like get up in uh, like for the Waratahs or something like that, and uh, sort of nothing was coming along. Um, all they seemed to be buying, like basically all league players, these big name league players, Wendell Saylor, Matt Rogers, and all that. They were all coming along when uh, when I was trying to push up. So it's sort of it was sort of a bit disheartening because um, I, was, I was going hard and I was playing well. I'd uh, picked up uh, the year before like Rookie of, year, of the Year in uh, Sydney and I'd, um, I'd set a record for the uh, quickest 100. Uh, I got 100 points in five games in first grade, first, like my first ever five games. So uh, I, I was quite optimistic about my chances and stuff like that, but uh, the opportunities just weren't coming. So uh, my second season there, I, had, I had, again had another good season. We uh, we had a good season as a club, and um, I thought, well, I might as well. Um, someone mentioned that like rugby's it opens up doors. Um, it's an opportunity to see the world, and I thought, well, I had a quick look into it, um, and I just seen that the, the clubs over here willing to like pay for your flights and give you accommodation um, to just to play rugby, and I thought, wow. Um, that'd be good. Like, I could come over here and I could just travel and like get around and just see some places, because I'd never sort of really been away from parks or Sydney. So um, basically, I just got in contact with uh, one of these companies at the time, and uh, they got back with me with uh, uh, an offer from Bedford. And like, I didn't really know where Bedford was; had no idea. And um, I just thought, well, why not? I'll give it a shot. And uh, so pretty much that's how it all all come along. What was your, again, can you remember this, your immediate appreciation of English or British rugby and weather and everything that went with this country? Um, after I'd first like sort of signed, I got a few tapes of Bedford sent to me and um, the year before... What do you mean a few tapes of what, Bedford rugby or Bedford town? No, be- the, the games that they played. Oh, I, and, um, I thought you meant tapes of like the no, town centre. No, a few, a few uh, tapes of the games and um, I'm not sure if like many people would remember but um, the year before I arrived, the 2000, what would have been 2000, 2001 season, the pitch was in terrible condition. Um, all I remember was sand everywhere and mud and... Um, wasn't sort of the best sort of thing looking forward to uh, coming to a pitch like that. Um, but uh, when I arrived, um, I, was, I was quite pleasantly like, pleased. Like, the summer in England is, is quite good. Um, like the trees and everything was in great condition and I, I was quite pleased coming here. But um, once winter rolled around, that was a big uh, shock to me, a very big shock. I wasn't used to, used to that sort of cold, uh, that sort of wet and... Uh, even snow um, on the field, yeah, I was uh, never used to that, so uh, that was a big uh, shock. 
probably one of the biggest. But you obviously adapted because uh, I would say perhaps your your best year at Bedford Blues, your your record point scoring year, uh, came in your second season here. I mean, did you feel then that you know things had? You talked about how you'd probably taken a few hard knocks um, prior to this, but did you feel that you'd suddenly landed in the right sort of place for yourself? Um, I did. Yeah, I was. I was quite pleased. It was a good sort of um, played a good style of rugby here at Bedford and. Um, as much as Colin like didn't want me to chip kick or anything like that, I was pretty much given a free reign to uh, do whatever I wanted. And um, again, that sort of suits my game. Um, not not having to worry about sort of consequences and stuff like that. That suited my game. And um, we had some talented players around me at the time. And uh, yeah, I think everything just suited me, and it, it all fell into place. Mm-hmm. And following off the back of that was a call up to Canada. How, how did an international Canada cap come about. Can you talk us through that? Was that something, because obviously that's through your grandfather, I understand, mm. who was, uh, was Canadian. H- how did that come about? Was that something that you sort of, someone pointed out to you, someone said, oh, no, second you've got Canadian grandpa, you could go and play for mm. Canada. Or was it something that you thought about? How did that come about? I had looked into it first when I was playing league. Um, when the Rugby League World Cup came around, um, I did, like, there's a few boys there that had Scottish roots at Parramatta. And they were like they were like uh, getting set to play for Scotland and stuff like that. And I thought, well, I was just digging into my um, family background just as a little hobby sort of thing. And like my actual grandfather's Canadian, I thought, well, I, th- I should look into that. But um, then when I left uh, league, it sort of fell away for a bit, and I didn't really think about it. And it wasn't till um, pretty much my second season over here that I started to look into um, sort of thing. I noticed I had an Australian coach, and um, I thought, and I thought, well, there's no harm in in like asking or mm-hmm. just. So I just contacted him and said, look, so and so, I play here. This is what I've done. I've got Canadian uh, grandfather, and uh, and just well, I just waited and hoped that something might come back. And yeah, he got back to me and said, look, uh, yeah, we're willing to um, have a look at you, stuff like that. So if uh, um, had a bit of a chat and said, "Look, if you, if you're really serious about this, we want you to come play in Canada, basically to show how serious you are." So um, after yeah, my second season with Bedford, I just uh, packed up and uh, moved over to Canada to a place uh, called Saskatchewan, um, a little town called Regina, <laughs> and uh, I uh, played uh, the summer out there for uh, the Prairie Fire, and um, yeah, just. Uh, basically showed them what I had out there. And it wasn't long but before October came around in 2003 and a World Cup. Talk me, talk me through an a, a international World Cup. Um, I'd played a few international games before that against the Maori in Argentina but um, my first game back in Australia, uh, basically I was standing there waiting to uh, step out on the... Uh, pitch down in Melbourne and uh, it was against Wales and we're just standing in the tunnel uh, next to each other both teams and um, something probably that never happened to me my eyes just started to well up and I was just I was like trying to wipe them and they just it just wouldn't go away and like going Jesus (laughs) and uh, just yeah and like just all this emotion started running through me because uh, it's pretty much the first time that I've had my friends, my family, um, pretty much everyone that's like, known me or had something to do with my rugby career that they'd be able to get to see me play. 
and all those emotions just shot through me and um, it's quite hard to describe I think it's up there with like the birth birth of my son definitely like I like um, I hadn't ex- experienced those emotions before and then uh, like again when Lucas come along like those emotions sort of shot to me where it's hard to ascribe it's yeah it just hits you like a train and um, it, pro- it it runs up there as one of the best moments in my life yeah Let's hear uh, your second track um, and talk us through this one. Talk us through the choice behind this one. Um, this one is, uh, this one's pretty, my workout sort of track. Um, I started, first heard it when I was in France. Um, I was having sort of a rough time when I was over there with Perpignan. Um, I'd been injured and uh, having a bit of a dispute with the president and the club at the time and um, I wasn't allowed to train with the rest of the team. I used to turn this music up nice and loud and... Uh, it, re- it really sort of like uh, pushed me on. I think um, I could have basically just packed it all in. Things weren't going my way, but it really pushed me on. And it's uh, a song by uh, a band called Puddle of Mud, titled uh, "She Hates Me." Met a girl, thought she was grand. Fell in love, found out firsthand. Went well for a week or two. Then it all came unglued In a trap, trip I can't grip Never thought I'd be the one who'd slip Then I started to realize I was living one big lie She hates me Trust she hates me There is the uh, the puddle of mud, uh, hopefully working for you already. And uh, as you listen to it, the um, you mentioned there just before that uh, an area that I was going to come on to because obviously you you used the World Cup as a springboard as anyone would do. You're on a, an international stage. You've got an opportunity naturally to go and try and work uh, and, and try and uh, play your rugby at the highest level. And there aren't too many higher levels, especially in, in, in European rugby, like a club like Perpignan. It came along, it gave you an opportunity. But I know from speaking to you prior to this that that was a very difficult uh, few months for you. Things went wrong, communication problems, things got misconstrued. Uh, can you kind of sum up? I mean, we're several years past it now. I mean, you've had time to reflect on it all. Can you kind of put into words what, what those the, the sort of year of your life was like uh, post the World Cup? Uh, it, was, it was very hard. Um, when I got the call to go to Perpignan, it was uh, basically a, a friend, Mike James, who was with the Canadian side at the time. He'd uh, played over in France and played with Perpignan and Stade Francais and... Uh, he's a very big cult figure over there and uh, he basically passed my name on to them and they gave me a call and I said yeah look I'd I'd love to come over and um, started training with them and uh, everything was going well I was uh, first choice at the time 
uh, on the wing and uh, kicking and doing all that. And then, uh, unfortunately, towards the end of pre-season, I, we were doing some testing and uh, I uh, tore a muscle in my quad. Just a routine, sort of, it was a small tear. It was uh, nothing major. I think it was a, a four-week injury, like something over here, like you do that, you rest, and uh, but you're back in four weeks' time, back training. I think, like you said, there was a, some miscommunication errors and stuff like that, and they tried to bring me back a little bit early, and I re-tore it, and uh, that happened a few times. I see frustration coming on here because I'd never really had a major injury like that, and um, I'd known... Like guys that had the same sort of injury, given it the full rest, and they've been back uh, within four, six weeks. And it was starting to drag on now, and it was closer to four months. And uh, so I um, spoke to a close friend of mine, Daniel Herbert, and uh, he was having some troubles with the club at the time um, because of an injury. And he passed me on to a doctor in London who works with uh, the England rugby team and works with Chelsea and all that. And he said, look, he's one of the best. Uh, go and see him, he'll sort it out. So I, I paid my own way, I uh, paid my own airfares and I paid all the consultations with the doctor and that to go and get this done. And uh, a few sessions with him, he gave me a few uh, injections and uh, it was pretty much good as new. I, I was really ready, raring to go. Everything was still fine with uh, Perpin Young at the, at the time there, but um, he uh, basically... Uh, filled in basically like they have to do uh, letters and wrote them back to Perpignan but they were quite damning on how they handled uh, my situation how they handled the injury and stuff like that and um, as you know I don't think the French um, like being told what to do or how to do things and that sort of kicked off a big uh, storm Um, from there they basically uh, they basically said the uh, injections that were given to me were illegal and uh, that I'd basically taking a legal substance so uh, then um, next thing I know my face was plastered in the paper as uh, uh, taking a legal substance and uh, therefore being sacked by the club. Um, that was a bit damning since uh, I knew exactly what I'd taken. I knew it passed the WADA standards, um, it passes the IRB standards. So that was um, very disheartening to uh, have that happen to you knowing that you'd, you'd done all this just to get back on the field and uh, then they've uh, basically turned against you and uh, basically you're out on your own. I didn't want to give up too easily, I know that. I, I know, like my manager at the time said, look, let's just leave it all behind us and then just look for something else. And I said, no, look, I'm not going to take this uh, line down. So I'm taking these guys to court. I said, I, I don't want my name to be... Uh, it made like My name is back in Australia. It made the Australian papers as being a drug cheat and mm. that's something I'm... I definitely don't want to live with. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, look, I'm taking these guys to court. I got myself a, a lawyer in France and um, pretty much it was no contest. Mm-hmm. Basically everything they'd done was um, illegal and wrong. So um, that was a no contest and I could I could walk out of there with my head held high. So knowing that everything they'd said was a lie. And uh, the sad thing was that I never really got the chance to uh, have a crack at the rugby, um, that top level. I know I went to Northampton after that and uh, played a few games there, but again, that was disappointing because I'd I'd been out six months, I hadn't played, and um, when I got to Northampton, I was still rusty and I played a few games for them and I wasn't anywhere near my top. So, again, that was sort of disappointing going to Northampton as well, knowing that um, I was back from injury and 
well, I wasn't ready for that standard of play um, at the time. But um, life throws things, these things at you and you've got to take it. And um, if you can't take it on the chin and get back up, then, well, what are you going to do? Must have been a, a very difficult period of your life, but bizarrely, roads led back to Bedford. As it was almost a, a new start again. It was an opportunity in which to sort of reinvigorate your career, not only you know, sort of uh, on these uh, shores, but also internationally as well. I did want to come back to Bedford um, after the World Cup. Um, when Rudy was here at the time, uh, the timings just wouldn't work out. Um, I was willing to come over and set to come over, but... Um, there were some uh, just some family issues and that back home, and it wouldn't allow me to get back here um, when Rudy wanted. Um, so unfortunately, I had to look elsewhere, and that's where Plymouth come into it. But uh, after Northampton, yeah, I think um, there wasn't any other place. If I was going to drop back down to National One, there wasn't any other club that I, I was I was really willing to go to. Bedford had pretty much been my life. I'd like to think of myself as a one club man. I. I love Ramwick with a passion and I'd have to give them basically everything for like where I've come in like my rugby career I owe everything to them and it's pretty much the same with Bedford so uh, like after it finished with Northampton Bedford was pretty much the only option. Uh, let's have your third and, and final song and, and talk to us about this one and why this one is special to you. Uh, this one is uh, it's from an Australian uh, singer-songwriter called Ben Lee I first heard this basically when I was at Perpignan. Um, the good thing about that, like even when I was uh, sort of outcast from the club, there's a great bunch of guys there, great bunch of uh, expat sort of Australians um, there as well. And uh, uh, it was my birthday at the time, and uh, we sort of travelled down to uh, Barcelona for a bit of a night out, um, me and two friends. And uh, I have to say, it was probably one of the one of the best nights out, best birthdays I could ever have had. And uh, this sort of song was our little anthem. It's uh, one of those songs that uh, whenever you hear, it just takes you back to that time. It's called Catch My Disease, and uh, I'm sure it put a smile on pretty much everyone's faces. My head is a box filled with nothing, and that's the way I like it. My garden's a secret compartment, and that's the way I like it, and that's the way I like it. Your body's a dream that turns violent And that's the way I like it And that's the way I like it The winter is long in the city And that's the way I like it So
So we bring you back to Bedford via this hiatus down on, on the Devon coast with Plymouth. We bring you back to Bedford and uh, we find you back in, in a sort of environment in which you're thriving and, and under the, the tutelage of, of Mike Rare. Talk, talk to us a little bit, pay a little bit of homage to, uh, to this, this funny old Welsh wizard. I'm not really sure what to say. Like Mike's just basically brought out, I think, the best in this club, um, the best sort of way we could we could possibly play as a club. Um, I think everyone now we've got a bit of a reputation as we're going to entertain pretty much. We want to th- we want to throw the ball around as uh, as players and as uh, coaches. We want to throw the ball around. We want to score tries, and uh, I think guys sort of see that in Bedford, and uh, I think that's what attracts sort of players. We we're not we don't offer the biggest money or any or the like even the best facilities. But um, what we are we're a family club and and we play an exciting uh, exciting game of rugby. And I think that comes down to Mike and how he uh, how he used to play and sort of how he sees the club playing. We'll bring us more up to date. We've uh, had a couple of things that I suppose have been particularly special to you. First and foremost, the birth of your your young son Lucas. Um, talk us through that and how that has perhaps changed you as a person and a rugby player. It's it's basically thrown my world upside down. Yeah, um, uh, the birth of Lucas happened uh, early this year, the seventh of February, and uh, right in the middle of the season, <laughs> um, I was uh, I was all set to uh, play play a game, and uh, my partner Jenny she wasn't feeling well all day, and then uh, when I took it to uh, to the hospital, uh, found out that yes, yeah, she was actually uh, going in, going into labour. So uh, from uh, basically Friday night through to Sunday morning, we were uh, in and out. Well, I was in and out of the hospital. Um, it just uh, just passed. I think it was two o'clock. He uh, popped out. I really don't know how to how to describe it. It was just the best best thing that's ever happened to me. One of the most special things in my life. Um, it took a while to get used to. And it did throw my my rugby sort of into a, a bit of chaos, but uh, now I'm sort of set into a routine, and uh, I know how to sort of handle him. And uh, I'm looking forward to the start of this season. And you mentioned the start of this season, um, a nice little nod in your direction for all your hard work and your hundreds of games and thousands of points. Mike Rare, well, hesitation making you captain, club captain. How, how did that make you feel? Bit of a shock. Um, Always sort of been sort of the number two there uh, with Dan and um, just taking on, well, should I say, some of the easier games <laughs> as captain. Um, and I still hold a 100% record, which I'm quite happy with, but I'm, I'm sure that might change this year. Um, but, uh, no, it was, um, it was, it was quite good. Um, he, he called me into his office and I, I didn't really know what he was uh, uh, needed to chat about, but then he just asked me straight up and I thought, I, without hesitation, said, "Yeah, definitely, I'll take that on." And um, I think he's seen last year that um, sort of captaincy. When I was captain, it sort of uh, brought my game on a bit. It, it made me step up a bit more um, as a player. And I think he thought uh, um, I sort of needed that kick up the bum at times to uh, needed to carry these boys and uh, get up there and uh, lead by example. And uh, I thought, well, definitely. I said if he uh, wants me to do that week in, week out, then yeah, I'll definitely put my hand up and I'll lead from the front. I know it irks you. I'm going to cover a topic that actually makes you want to physically harm the person who phrases the question. 
But, you know, you did turn 30 recently. Um, you know, you're a back, you're a man who puts his body on the line every single day. Is there a, a part of you that has considered when you might stop playing rugby? I know it's not going to be soon, James. Don't, don't get angry. Mate, every, every time uh, December, January, February rocks around, <laughs> I, I think twice about what I'm doing, that's for sure. Since I've, since I've started rugby, I think I haven't really had more than uh, a couple of weeks break um, since I've started with Bedford. Um, I used to, uh, when I f- used to finish with Bedford, I used to fly back and I used to play with Ramick in Australia and then when the season was ready to start again over here, I'd fly back over to Bedford and then when it wasn't with Ramick, I was with Canada and so on so. So I haven't had any more than um, a, couple of, a couple of weeks break since pretty much 2001. And um, at the moment, I'm feeling... Uh, just as fit and just as strong as when I was 18 so uh, I think as long as I can keep that up and as long as Mike or uh, any other coach like um, Kieran with Canada thinks I can uh, play at this high level I'll definitely be willing to uh, get out there and uh, run around. So we've got your music on your away trip on your iPod Uh, what book have you decided to take with you on this long trip let's say you're going all the way down to Camborne what book have you decided to bring with you? Yeah I'm not really big uh, sort of book reader i more into my magazines and stuff like that but uh, one that I'm reading at the moment is called Dark Summer by Iris Johansson um, it's it's primarily about um, well a guy he's well let's just say he's a sort of an agent sort of secret service sort of thing but he's uh, in charge to look after a couple of dogs and these dogs sort of have uh, some pretty special healing abilities and there's, there's sort of some government agencies and some, some bad people after these animals and uh, his main job is to protect them and so that's sort of uh, that's my main book at the moment and I'm quite stuck into it because it is, it's quite an interesting read so if anyone's out there stuck for anything then uh, I think they should have a look at this and especially if they're an animal lover because yeah I was going to say this, this interview would go amiss if we didn't bring Monty into it surely <laughs> uh, no he's uh, I'm trying to get him a job as a mascot down here I think if we can get him a blue sash or something and then uh, get the uh, mascots to run out with him <laughs> at the start but uh, yeah I think I'm not sure if it's up if it's me or not but we're starting to get a bit of a dog culture here I think we wanted to get a um, a bit of a, a dog pound sort of going there a lot of boys have got in, uh, dogs at the moment so and they're starting to bring them into training and I think it creates a bit more of a family uh, atmosphere when uh, boys they're able to bring their like their pets in and uh, let them just run around so no it's quite good I also asked you about a film a favourite film what's what's been the one that's really grabbed you um I'm I'm quite a big uh, movie nerd. Like I, I go. I've got a cinema unlimited card, so always in there. We take uh, we take Lucas in, both me and Jenny, and we just dump him down. Uh, <laughs> he just sleeps through the movies while we watch them. Um, there's there's quite a few out there, like uh, the Blues Brothers and uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, just classics. Um, like even like old movies like Major League and stuff like that. But there's one that I sort of always carry that um, I always like to have a look at. Um, it's the Waterboy. There, there's some there's some fantastic quotes in that, and it's it's something like you can just always watch and it'll make you laugh. It, it is it is a brilliant movie, and um, yeah, that always comes with me on my computer wherever I go. So it's it, it is a classic that uh, yeah I sort of never leave home without. Well, on that note, um, I'm going to let you go. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for your time, and best of luck for this season. 
No, it has. It's been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, hopefully uh, have a season like last.